This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome to another fantastic Tuesday episode. I am talking again with Carrie Bruno. Many of you probably know her as the Mama Coach on Instagram. I really enjoy speaking with her. She has a very calming voice and the way she speaks. It's just very calming to me. Anywho, today we are talking about a topic that doesn't get enough, you know, like there's so much content online when it comes to parenting and children, but you don't hear much about confidence. And it's such an important thing. It's like, if you asked parents, like, what do you wish for your child? It would probably be like that they're happy and they're confident, but we don't talk a lot about how to instill confidence in our children and also what could be going on in their lives that would negatively affect confidence and self-esteem. So we get into exactly that in this episode. So I won't babble on any further. I will just get straight to it. So please welcome Carrie Bruno to the Mom Room Podcast for the second time for a wonderful and soothing conversation. All right. So today I am speaking again with Carrie Bruno. So happy to have you on again. And today we're talking about a topic that I don't think gets talked about enough. There's kind of like two topics. So the first one is confidence and self-esteem in our children. And then we're going to get into one common factor that can affect their confidence in a negative way. And that is bedwetting. And we're going to chat about how good nights, nighttime underwear can help you if you're experiencing, not you, but if your child is experiencing bedwetting. Before we get into confidence and self-esteem, I just wanted to mention three previous episodes because if you're interested in this topic, you should know about these episodes. So there is episode 203. I can't believe I've done this many podcast episodes. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So there's 203 is a potty training Q&A that I did. So I put up a question box on Instagram. You guys sent in questions and I talked all about my experience with potty training, gave advice and answered questions. Then episode 221 is with Carrie and we talked about realistic expectations in parenting and doing what works for you. And we based that episode around potty training. So highly, highly recommend if you know someone who's going to be starting potty training, who's in potty training, you're going to be starting potty training, go listen to those two episodes. So it's 203 and 222. They will be so helpful. And then episode 230 is a Q&A again, but it was with my husband. People love when my husband comes I love on. it. <laughs> you know, I wasn't expecting the feedback of, he has such a soothing voice. I was like, really, guys? Like, they're like, yeah, he should start his own podcast. I'm like, no, that's not happening. Oh, that's funny. 
Yeah. So the Q&A is all about bedwetting. That's episode 230. And I should mention my husband is a urologist. And when I put up that question box on Instagram, I was shocked by all the questions that came in. I was shocked because again, it's a topic that is not talked about. I think a lot of the content out there for parents is around potty training and not bedwetting. So it was so helpful to have him as a urologist go through the causes of bedwetting, like why it happens, talking about how it's not in anyone's control. You can't train them out of it. It's something that they will just grow out of. Kind of like normalizing that there is a wide age range where bedwetting can happen. Because I think a lot of people assume, oh, my child's potty trained, so there should be no issues overnight. But it's two separate things. So yeah, this episode is about, again, building confidence, positive self-esteem in our children. We're going to briefly go over why it's so important and then also things that we can do to help build their confidence. And then we're going to talk about bedwetting because it is such a, like it's well known that children who experience bedwetting do have issues with self-esteem. So we're going to get into that and how you can navigate bedwetting in your family so that they hopefully don't, you know, take a confidence hit or have negative self-esteem because of that. So yeah, but first I'll just ask, how have you been doing, Carrie? So good. Thank you. Yeah, everything's great. It's I have been sharing our episode and the episode with your husband with a lot of my clients. I've really enjoyed the one with your husband because there's something to be said. Like I'm a registered nurse, but hearing it from a urologist, I think is just so reassuring for families because all of a sudden, like not all of a sudden, forever, it's been such a taboo thing, right? Like well, we don't talk about bedwetting and it's top secret. And the only thing, when something's a secret, there's a lot of guilt and shame attached to it. And how does that, mm-hmm. and how does that make our kids feel? How does that make you feel as a family, your parenting? It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's complex. Did you also like the episode because of his smooth I did. voice? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I've listened to it a few times now. Don't tell my husband. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I love uh, that. That's so fun. Like the thing you didn't think was going to be the takeaway was the take. <laughs> and the thing is, the funny part was because I was complaining about how he speaks because he starts really high up and then he kind of like trails off. So as a podcast editor... That's stressful because I'm like, I can't get the volume level, you know? So I was like bugging him about that. And then everyone comes back with like, oh my God, I love his voice. I'm like, no. And he was like, see? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so first we're going to talk a little bit about why confidence and positive self-esteem is so important in children. And as I was thinking about this over the last few days, I was like, it's really interesting how parenting and I guess like social media and what people put out there for content, it often revolves around things like screen time, you know, like nutrition. And there's not a lot about confidence in children and why it's so important and how we as parents can, you know, instill that in them. Yeah. And I think like, 
I'm learning too. I have two boys and I've been reflecting, preparing for this podcast about the correlation between my own confidence as a parent and their confidence because man, are they connected. When I dive deep into when, when I'm having a struggle with my child or my child's having a struggle, when I take a step back and actually think about it, it's usually because I'm feeling insecure because they haven't achieved the outcome that I thought that they should be achieving. And so the lesson has been take a step back and step one is, well, why am I so attached to that outcome? Because how I react to their learning plays a huge role in how confident they are and their self-esteem because kids are always learning, whether it's learning to sleep in their own bed or learning to use the washroom, potty train, or they're learning to walk into school independently. All of these things are learning lessons, but I think as parents, we get wound up in Am I being judged for this? If he doesn't do this properly, am I be, does this mean I'm a bad parent? And then our reaction, how we would react to them changes because we feel that pressure and then they reflect it back, you know, in not having as much confidence and being unsure and digging their heels and looking for that connection and feeling like they've upset us. So I feel like it's kind of that vicious circle. So, but it's also a good thing to be self-aware about it because you can change as as the adult as the grown-up we can learn how to change our reaction as our kids are learning something as you were saying that it made me think about Milo at soccer and basketball because we're all excited we're projecting our excitement about joining sports onto our four-year-old and we take him to the soccer field and he could care less like he does not want to play so what are we going to do and I was like I remember the first day that it happened all the other kids are playing having fun like doing the drills and Milo just kept running back to us on the sidelines and I was like Renee like I felt embarrassed I felt like you know, other parents are looking like, oh, like her kid doesn't want to play soccer. Like there's something wrong with that. And I had to really be like, you know what? Like he's four. Like he doesn't care about soccer. Like this is not his thing. It's fine. And it was the same thing. Like, okay, how am I going to react to this, you know, in front of him? So we just decided, okay, we're going to be supportive. You can sit on our lap have your water breaks, like do whatever. And then if you want to go out and try, like we'll support that too. If not, then no. Yeah. Good for you because that's not easy. And I, I, I like that we're having this discussion because I think as parents and you see it on social media, we talk a lot about like the milestone checklist, you know, like, can my child do this and this and this and this, but There isn't as much discussion around what happens when they don't yet, you know, and how do we parent through that? Because if he wants to go to soccer, he doesn't, isn't a reflection on how good of a parent you are, you know, or how great or accomplished four-year-old he is. I know, right? It's wild. And then, so it happened again with basketball, but at least at basketball, they have the little nets at the side so he can just play by himself. And then it happened again at skating. Like he didn't want to go on the ice. And I'm like, okay, maybe 
he's four and I need to just keep like reminding myself about that and not putting pressure on the situation. And then what you were saying about like the milestones, I've talked about this before, about how we're constantly comparing what our child is doing to their peers, like comparing. And then like you were saying, is this a reflection on my parenting? But in reality, there's these huge ranges of ages, like where something will happen, when they lift their head, when they walk, crawl. Like we get one thing stuck in our head and we're like, okay, if we don't meet it by that time, like something's wrong. Like, you know, you lose confidence. It's true. And then it does impact how you parent because we're human. We want our child to be successful, you know, meet, meet the milestone, go to soccer, learn, enjoy all the things. But sometimes what we think they need and what they actually need are two different things. And I think it's cool that you're offering him those experiences and he may like it one Saturday and not the next. And that's the whole part about parenting is that it isn't linear. It's not like we just keep on climbing up the mountain and things are tickety-boo. And it's like taking, like, I guess providing that normalcy around that and that those ups and downs aren't a reflection on your parenting. And it's okay to teach your child that I think how we react to those ups and downs is truly tied to how they move through challenging situations with confidence. Yeah, 100%. So I wanted to just list off some of the reasons why confidence is so important because I think confidence is such a like a broad term and it's hard to understand like, okay, what are some things that children are more likely to do if they are confident? And these were like surprising to me. So they're more likely to take on new challenges, more likely to learn from their mistakes and move forward as opposed to like getting discouraged and quitting. They're more likely to stand up for themselves, advocate for themselves and ask for help. And this is huge, like especially as they get older, like you want to build that foundation of confidence as they move into the teen years and then even as adults. They're proud of their accomplishments. They act independently and they're less likely to conform to peer pressure, which is also huge. Like I think confidence, like you said, it's a pretty vague word. And my youngest, he's 10, he's almost 11. And I've had to check myself, well, every day with parenting. (laughs) But like an example is, so he's in grade six and they're going to have a math test. And so he was like studying and studying because it was, he deemed it important. He wanted to do well. And I watched him over the weekend take this initiative and study. And then a few days, he wrote the test and a few days later, I asked him if he got his grade back. And I, th- I thought, oh, Carrie, that's your first mistake. Like, I instead, when I reflected on this, I wanted to bring it back and just talk about how I saw him trying so hard. And we talked about his study strategies and his commitment to, you know, wanting to learn the content. But here I was asking about the outcome, doing the very thing that... I, I, I don't want to do, you know, but I, I'm human. And so instead I, I said to him, you know what, Mikhail, like I asked about your grade, but the reality is, is that I shouldn't have, because 
I saw you over the weekend working really hard on that. And I want you to know whether you got, you know, 20% or 100%. I am super, super proud of the effort you put in. Because I'm, I think if we can, first of all, learn this ourselves as parents, but like trying to just encourage and, and praise their efforts, that's when they get the confidence to, if he did mess up on that test, then he'll try again versus if he messed up and I was really pushing the outcome, they're not so willing to take the risk or, or maybe he'd be like, oh, I'm not going to study. It doesn't matter anyway. Like I can't do it like confidence. And so I just think not to put more pressure on parents, but it's such a cool opportunity. I'm seeing it as like a learning opportunity to be better in the words that I choose with my kids so that I can kind of bolster their confidence. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts.
the points of how to build confidence in your child, like just little things that we can do. And it's always little things in parenting that make the big difference when it comes to so many things. It's like, oh, you just have to tweak this. And it actually makes a huge difference. So one of those things was praising the efforts and not so much the outcome. It's funny because I finished my PhD and I was in school for like my entire life. People are always like, oh my God, your parents must have been like really on you with school stuff and academics. And I was like, actually, I was an athlete my whole life. And I don't think I've ever been asked once, like, did you finish your homework or do you have homework today? Like it was a non thing. I think about like, what was it that made me motivated to like, obviously they were doing something right because I was so motivated to continue on in school and get good grades and like, meet certain goals when it came to, you know, like getting scholarships and stuff. And I'm like, it's weird because I I did not grow up in a family that was, you know, focused on outcomes of academics or anything like that. But I bet you felt safe to try. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yes. And like the confidence that my parents, one of the things I wanted to mention about confidence is like, you want your child to also have confidence in you as the parent, like to be able to go to you when something is wrong or, you know what I mean? It's kind of like this relationship of, you know. And I I think another thing, because I don't want to come on podcasts like this and, and, be perceived as like I'm putting any kind of pressure on a parent because man, this stuff is hard and and we're gonna mess up. And like, you know, two days ago I said the wrong thing. And I think regardless, like depending on how old your child is, is how you would approach this. But I think it's an important piece in building that relationship with your child is apologizing when we mess up. Yeah, acknowledging it. Yeah, just acknowledging it. It was like, I said to Mikhail, like, you know what, man? I shouldn't have asked about your grades. You know, I'm sorry about that. And this is why I'm sorry. And But if the child's, like, the conversation I have with the 10-year-old is different than the conversation you'd have with Milo. But I still say, saying stuff like, you know what? Mommy made a mistake. Let's try this again. Are you okay if we try this again? Because they build confidence, they build confidence in you. You know, they're like, okay, I can come back here. I can make a mistake in front of her. Things may not be perfect, but I know that she loves me. We're supported and we'll work through this together. It's like, oh, that was a bad day. Maybe those weren't my best words. Can we try this again? Just to go over the how to build confidence in your child. So praising the efforts, not so much the outcome being supportive, realistic, and not overprotective, allowing them to foster friendships with peers, but also acknowledging that it's not about the number of friends that they have, but like the quality friendships and time that they're spending with their peers, reminding them of a time when they worked really hard and accomplished something when they're facing a new challenge, modeling confidence for them, which is something that we discussed, not dwelling on mistakes and allowing them to fail and then also setting realistic goals. Oh, and this is one that I made a note beside it. I was like, I need to do this. Giving them age-appropriate chores so that they feel a sense of accomplishment. And I think that is difficult just for my experience. 
you're starting off with them as being this little baby and it's hard to be like, oh, okay, he can now handle certain responsibilities, you know? And like, if he puts his toys all over the floor, sometimes I'll be like, okay, Milo, you should pick up your toys. And he's like, no. And like, he just goes off and starts doing something. But I'm like, okay, I need to be better at this and be like, like just setting that boundary and like, no, you're going to have some chores to do or you need to pick up your toys or something. Do you have advice for that? (laughs) You know, I think changing the language around it, like this sounds like, let's say you really wanted him to get in the habit of picking up his toys. So maybe you create a chart, but instead of like a pick up your toys, you're going to be a great toy picker upper, or you're going to be a great toothbrusher, you know, labeling it as the job. Because they they want to be, I think if you can make them excited about something versus just the language that we choose with our children, whether they're two or 22, is so impactful. And then I think choice too, because what happens when he says no? when you're like, pick up your toys, and he says no, versus if you're like, okay, you can be a toy picker-upper in two minutes, or we can finish coloring this page, and then you can do it. Will you help me set the timer? Let's see if we can do it in 60 seconds. Do you know where the timer is? Like, versus like, you know, we're gonna do this. The last two days, he didn't wanna get dressed in the morning, And so I was like, oh, mommy's going to set a timer for one minute. Do you think we can get dressed in one minute? And he was like, oh my God, let's do it. Like so excited. And so the timer, if you're listening and you know, it's like transitions, like getting them into the bathtub, out of the bathtub for bedtime, we use the timer for everything. And it's very helpful. Like the dollar store oven timer, even like they like learning how to set it, like something visual that they can see, like letting it be fun and then choice. Like, okay, we're going to set the timer for bedtime now. Do you want two minutes or three minutes? And we let him choose. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get better at the chores thing. Like he's four, (laughs) it's time. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today that can be a contributor to low self-esteem or lack of confidence is bedwetting. The first thing I'll say is bedwetting is not the same as potty training. And I think parents assume if their child is experiencing bedwetting that like, oh, they're not potty trained. The two things are not the same. They aren't. And and so we work with families who have not started potty training yet. And then we've started, we work with families who have started and they're struggling. And the first question is like, how do you define potty training? What, what does that mean to you? Because, and I would say nine times out of 10 people think they should be dry in the day and they should be dry at night. And so that's where I start is around that expectation is that, you know what, these are two separate things. A child can learn to do something when they're ready and they meet those, those signs of readiness when they're awake and conscious but something that happens when they're sleeping isn't something that they, that's not when we learn new things. Well, we process things when we're sleeping, but you can't train a child to be dry in the night. And so we have to separate the two. And I think my experience, once Milo was regularly dry during the daytime and we 
decided to try with no pull-ups or good nights nighttime underwear in the evening. Every like few nights, he would wake up in the middle of the night very upset. Like, can you imagine being a little child, waking up in the middle of the night, you're soaking wet, and you're not even maybe understanding what happened. You're just like uncomfortable and afraid, I'm sure. And so my husband and I would go in the room and we were like, oh, and right away, even though I'm like half asleep, in my mind, I was like, I do not want him to feel any kind of like embarrassment, any kind of like he did something wrong. And so it was just very much like, oh, you know, that's fine. Here, we're going to change your sheets. Like not a big deal. Like this happens sometimes. Like just that was my attitude around it. And then we were like, you know what? Until he is consistently dry overnight, we decided the good nights, nighttime underwear, like I cannot recommend them enough. We called them his big boy underwear, just like for the language. And it was his big boy underwear that he knew that he would wear to sleep. Because for him, we didn't want it to be confusing. Like I'm not in diapers anymore during the day. So what is this that I'm wearing? It was like, no, this is your big boy nighttime underwear. And I couldn't believe that not everybody (laughs) handled bedwetting this way because It just takes the stress out of what can be a really stressful situation for you and for your child. I agree. And I think what happens is, so when we start potty training with our children, even if you're the most supportive parent in the middle of the night, which I think is so good when someone has, like the word accident is even the right word, when when they wet the bed because they were sleeping, (laughs) But the thing is, is that our children are really smart and they hear your language all day long where you've been encouraging them and probably praising for, you know, going to the potty. And so even though you're supportive in the night, if they have an accident, internally they're feeling, you know, crappy about it because they know in the day, like, wait a minute, they really like it when I pee in the potty and here I am at night and I I don't even know why I did it, but I'm going to feel bad about it, whether I, you know, say it or I don't have the words to say it. That's where that confidence piece, you know, comes in with our kids. And so I think if out of the gates with potty training, we set the expectation that, you know, these are our daytime underwear and our, these good night underwears are your nighttime ones. That's it, you know, because if we, I don't know why, and I think there's some potty training books out there that should be like underwear, 100% consistency. And it's like, well, you know, these aren't diapers. Good night underwear is like a perfect tool because they have underwear in the day. And then these are the good night ones. Mm-hmm. Even when he was still in daycare and they had the nap during the day, we sent him to school with the good nights nighttime underwear because it was like, this is what you wear when you go to sleep. And it was just a non-issue. And eventually, if you listen to the episode with my husband, he grew out of it. And now it's like a non-issue. And we didn't have that like huge phase of stress and like shame and embarrassment. It was just a non-issue. Yeah. And I like what you said about he wore those at 
at daycare as well, the good nights, because sometimes people are like, but Carrie, like you talk about consistency and we need to be consistent. But I just mean you need to be consistent in, in your pattern of things. That's, that's not like, if you think about us as humans, most of us don't wear the exact same brand of underwear, you know, every day and night, you know, I'm just saying if day is always day, for him and he wears those kinds of underwear and for sleep he wears these ones that is consistency totally and even for long car rides i was like half the time if we drove up to my parents place which is like a four-hour drive he would fall asleep so it was like okay well just in case we're gonna wear your good night like your big boy underwear and it was a non-issue so I would like to stress the point that bedwetting is extremely common, but it does not feel that way when you're going through it because nobody talks about it. I should Google like bedwetting podcasts and I bet you mine is like the only one. Probably. And it's because people think that potty training means your child is day trained and night trained. And then we don't talk about it because you feel like you're not being a good enough parent or something's wrong with your child. Like, why won't they night train? And that's why people go through, like, there's different approaches. Like your husband talked about it, right? Like the there's bedwetting alarms and like restricting fluids. But the challenge with restricting fluids with like a three or a four or five-year-old is like two or three hours. Well, that means often that they're not having anything to drink with their dinner. <laughs> they, Kids go to bed within a couple hours of their dinner. So, and and they quickly attach like, well, why? Like, why are why can't I have a drink? Like, and then that accidentally, you know, has impacts on their confidence when they have an accident because they realize there's like interventions happening for them to not do something in the night. Yeah, all the alternative like ways to manage bedwetting I was like no thank you (laughs) no thank you (laughs) it's actually a parenting thing it is it's about taking bedwetting is about learning how to manage your emotions about it as a parent because most of the time children just need time and that, and of course, there's the physical things that we can look at, you know, constipation, you know, if your child, but there's like a, that actually comes down to parenting too sometimes because it's like, let's say you're having this challenge with, with bedtime wedding and it's become a challenge in your home because you're feeling frustrated about it. And then all of a sudden your child's getting a complex around peeing and pooping in the potty and they even start to hold it because they feel nervous. And then what happens, our child's little bodies get full of poop and that pushes against the bladder, which will make the bedwetting worse. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. 
And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner. I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair's too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Just if people are listening and they're going through bedwetting and they haven't listened to the episode with my husband yet, I will just point out that it is a huge range when it comes to age. And for the most part, like all the time, they will grow out of it. Because a lot of questions that I received for that episode was parents telling me their child's age and being like, yeah, but he's this old or she's this old. So is that okay? And my husband was like, yeah, like there's no age range. People will grow out of it. And there's a big variability of like when they will grow out of it because oftentimes it's, I think he was talking about like a hormone. You have to listen to the episode because I'm not a urologist, (laughs) but it was a hormone that does something and like prevents you from peeing overnight when you're asleep or something. And some people don't develop that till later in life and it's not in their control. You cannot train them out of it. No, and size of bladder, the genetic component, there's lots of things. And so really it's about setting your child up for success in terms of their confidence. I don't mean success in being dry at night. It's, it's like, what is our plan as a family so that, first of all, the child feels good about, you know, it, it's a non-issue for them. And then what does the parent have to do to be able to manage their emotions through it? Because it is, it can feel hard. And I think the biggest thing is like, realize that this has nothing to do with your parenting 
It has nothing to do with your child. It's don't make a big deal in terms of the good nights are underwear. They're just nighttime underwear. And with time, you know, this will become less of an issue until it's gone. And the thing is, if we make something an issue, it gets worse most of the time. (laughs) And because there is such a big age range, I just want to mention the good nights nighttime underwear does come in a range of sizes. So it's extra small to extra large for that reason. So one stat I wanted to say was that two out of three children who experience bedwetting suffer from low self-esteem. And something that I found really surprising was that bedwetting is the third most distressing event for children after divorce and parents fighting. So I don't think a lot of people would realize that. Like the significant effect that it can have on your child. Yeah. And so, like I said, I work with families who have started and they're struggling, and this is what they perceive often as the struggle. And man, do parents love their babies. And they reach out to me and they're like, we want to fix this for him, help or her, right? Like help us fix this because we see that this is a struggle for him. And I said, okay, what I'm going to do is we're going to normalize this. Like, of course, they've seen their pediatrician, but how are we going to manage the expectation and change the language as a family? Because you can't, as a parent, stop them from, from wetting the bed, but you can change how they feel about it. I was shocked about how distressing it can be for the child. And I think, like, of course, parents you feel bad for your child, but I don't think we actually understand the impact that it can have on them with regard to confidence and self-esteem. It's like, oh, okay, they woke up in the middle of the night, they're wet. Like, yeah, it's inconvenient or whatever, but no, it can have a big impact on them. And, you know, there's lots of talk about how divorce affects children. And, but again, you don't hear anything about bedwetting because it's not talked about. No. And so if it, let's say I'm like working with a family who their child's like four, five, six, and still wetting the bed. And they've been, you know, to their healthcare provider, but this like they're healthy, but this is still happening. I think step one is reframing it as a family, having a discussion with their child. Like, you know how we were talking about in the beginning, like the apology. (laughs) And it's, I'm not saying that parents need to apologize, but it's like, you know what? We're learning and we want to just, we learned that, you know, bedwetting has nothing to do with, like, it's, it's out of your control. It's different than how you can, you know, pee in the potty in the day with no problems. Mommy now knows that that's different. And I'm sorry that I was confused and that my message to you was confusing. So now we need to back up and let's try these good nights underwear. And our new plan is time. We're just not going to worry about it. Let's build this into our routine. And then you toss them out in the morning and let's carry on with our day. And This isn't going to be our focus anymore, buddy. Yeah, totally. I will point out, I made little like scribbles here to be patient, 
to be supportive, never punish. Good God, yes, never punish and never reward. Because I think people don't realize like, oh, if if they wake up in the morning and they're dry, I'm going to give them a reward. Well, what is that telling them? That's telling them that when they woke up and they were wet, that that's bad. You do neither. Both are just neutral and... It's not making a big deal out of it. It's just letting it be part of the routine. The consistency is how we react. We react the same, whether they're dry or they're wet. How would you recommend parents explain bedwetting to their child? Let's do like a younger child, like four or five. I think it it starts with how do we, when we're teaching, and I like to call it toilet learning, not potty training, because really they're learning a new skill. And so I think it starts there by saying, you know what, we're going to learn this in the daytime when our brains are awake. And this is what we're going to practice. And we're going to use this underwear. And at nighttime, when our brains are sleeping, we can't learn things when we're sleeping, right? And they... Kids understand that because your eyes are closed and your brains are resting. So we're going to wear these good night underwear and in time, your body's going to grow and eventually you're going to wake up without, you know, pee in your good night. Maybe sometimes you'll have it, maybe sometimes you won't, but it's no big deal. Yeah, it's just setting the expectation. And part of that is our learning as parents, because I think as a society, somehow we decided (laughs) that in order for a child to be potty trained, they need to be dry in the day and dry at the night. And I'm telling you, no, it's, it's, they're two different things. And I feel like there's a stigma about a child, maybe an older child that is already potty trained during the day. There's a stigma about them wearing good nights, nighttime underwear overnight. Because a lot of the questions that I would receive for the Q&A was like, there are seven and like, I don't want them to be in the nighttime underwear. And like, that was always the concern. Like, should they be wearing this? Like they're eight years old and oh my gosh, yes, they should be wearing. If they need them, you know, like let's avoid the stress, the embarrassment, the middle of the night waking up and it's a big ordeal with stripping the bed and yes. And I, I think it, again, it comes down to this, this tough thing called parenting where first we have to ask ourselves, before we ask anybody else, you have to ask yourself, why am I having an issue with this? Yes. Why do I feel that way? Why am I upset about this? And it's probably because we're worried you know, and that's a human response. It's like, is this normal for him? Or is he going to be judged? Like it's coming from a good place. As a parent, I recognize that. Yeah. And because we don't know either because Mm -hmm. exactly these kinds of conversations don't exist. So in our mind, we're like, this shouldn't be happening. And, you know, we need to kind of change the narrative of bedwetting, what it is, why it happens, and how to manage it in your family. Mm -hmm, I agree. This was a great conversation. Thank you everyone for listening. Also, just want to remind you of the three past episodes that if you liked this one, you will love those. So it's episode 203, 222, and 230. 230, you can hear my husband's silky smooth voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so 
We just want to leave you with three takeaway messages. And so the first one is bedwetting should never stop kids from just being kids. Good night's nighttime underwear not only helps to keep them dry all night, it helps keep their confidence up so that they can carry on with just being a kid and worrying about kid things. Number two is bedwetting is not in their control. They cannot be trained out of it. They will grow out of it. And there is a huge age range as to when that happens. And it's very common. You are not alone. And I am happy to have these conversations. And I'm just happy that I have a platform where I can get this kind of stuff out there to lots of people's ears. Yes. So good. Yeah. I'm glad that we could talk about it today. Mm -hmm. Of course. So thank you for coming on again. Lastly, maybe people are like, who is this Carrie girl? I want more (laughs) of her. So where can people find you online? Sure. So on Instagram at at the dot mama, which is M-A-M-A dot coach. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 